Wow, that's like life, isn't it? Sometimes it just doesn't go quite the way you want it to at first, but then you just don't give up and you keep moving forward, right? And it is a beautiful day, and thank you. Some of this Hope Harding, uh, her family's been a part of our church uh, here recently, and it's been great to have them here. It's great to have her. I listened to her sing when she was in kindergarten. She was in a talent show in kindergarten. Then in first grade, her and another girl, she sang, and another girl played the piano. It was incredible then. So thank you, Hope, for sharing that gift with us this morning. Real quick, first through fifth grade, first through fifth grade, if you want to stand up, go on out now. Jackie's back there. Go with her for your time, a special time of teaching. Go ahead. And then right after that, if you are in middle school and high school and you want to go with with, um, Jacob and Angela for just a youth group time, Jacob and Angela right there. Now, don't get confused what grade you're in, first through fifth grade. May hang out with the high school kids, middle school kids, that's all right. Our uh, middle school and high school students have been meeting on Wednesday nights at Jacob and Angela's house for just some fellowship time and hanging out teaching, and so that's a great uh, opportunity for them. September birthdays, a lot of September birthdays. Raise your hand if it's your birthday in September, all right? Just raise your hand. Wow, okay, yeah. Several, several. Must be good, good month for birthdays, so happy birthday. To you, that's right, to them just today is their birthday, spending time in church, so awesome. Okay, real quick, before we get started, I need, I, I'm just going to put someone on the spot, I need a, one more prayer warrior to fill the calendar, so if you're familiar, if you're not familiar with our church, we have someone praying every single day of the, of the month, and so if you pick the 22nd of the month, so every 22nd of the month, that's your day to pray, and if I... If I'm on task, I'll send you a message and say, hey, pray about these specific, uh, specific things. If not, then you just pray in general for me, for the church, and just all the things that are going on. So I need someone after church to come up to me and say, Brady, I got the 22nd. It's mine, okay? I'll take it because that's the only day we have left of the month, the 22nd of the month. Well, my name is Brady Testorf. If you're new to the church, we are the Calling Community Church, and thank you for being here this morning. We've been... We've been involved in a uh, just a short series on relationships and everybody is involved in some type of relationship last week we we did this uh this interesting um, analogy and illustration of relationships and families and how we're all connected in different ways husband and wives and out to children and then out from there and it kind of looks like this it's kind of chaotic and kind of just all over the place and we all have different things going on and, but then today, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna branch out a little bit and think about all the relationships that we're in with the people that we work with or go to school with, and think about how, how those dynamics play into it, how uh, confusing it can be sometimes, because we all come from different backgrounds, different places, and we all come to the same place to go to work. And we had some interesting conversations just uh, last week with some of the, uh, the men that we gather with on Tuesday mornings, and we had a few guys come on Thursday nights, which, by the way... Guys, if you don't have, if you're not involved in a small group and you just want to hang around with some other guys and just get to, to know each other, hear each other's story, we'll do some real um, basic Bible study stuff and just kind of enjoy each other's fellowship. First and, thir- first and third Thursday nights of the month, all right, where, is Brian in here? He's not in here? Brian Key, his, uh, if you want to know more about that, let me know. We'll get you his address. First, and it's right here in Platte City, and so it's a great time just to hang out. We watched half of the Chiefs game, the best half. We didn't watch the rest of the half before we all went home. But anyway, so that's Thursday nights. 
So the next group of human beings that I'm in relationship out from my family are the people that I work with and serve with here at the church. We do have two part-time employees, plus myself, that, that are on staff together and we work together. And then we have the core team of individuals who are responsible for everything that you see and experience on Sunday morning. So they come early, they set up, they do all the behind-the-scenes work, make sure it happens. Like, this stuff doesn't just magically appear on the stage, like, at the blink of an eye, which would be awesome. Wouldn't it be cool if we could just, like, drop it down, then it's here, and then we just take it back up again, and we're done. There's a, yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? Instead, there's a lot of work that goes on to, to get in and out. And the school's been great for us, really generous with allowing us to have space. And we've got it down to we bring only a few things in that we don't want to leave here at the, the school. We just bring them in. So there's a lot, of, lot going on, not only in just the different jobs that happen every single Sunday morning, but in relationships that happen every single Sunday morning and throughout the week. Well, all of us, we share this kind of a unique bond that is driven by this common mission that we have as a church. And the mission is we want everyone to experience the compassionate love of the Father. And so when we say that, we mean everyone, everyone who works in the church and everyone who comes and volunteers and everyone who comes to attend. Our hope is, is that you will experience some genuine compassionate love from us. But more than that, we want you to experience the compassionate love of your Heavenly Father. And so I want you to think about that, just all the dynamics that go into your life and relationships that sometimes can be an obstacle of you experiencing that kind of love. And our hope is, as a church, we'll help you sift through some of that stuff so that you can realize that you are loved by the creator of the universe. Matter of fact, it's, I just a moment ago got a, got a message from a girl named Tara Bledsoe, who was a part of our core team, and she went off to Colorado to go to a, a ministry school there. And she said, Brady, the Lord gave me a word for the church for us and it was that idea of you don't have to fear you don't have to have fear because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus like we are a child of God and we don't have to have fear and we can experience that love and that's a good word and there was more to it I'll share more of that next week but we want people to experience that compassionate love, and we want them to discover, that, hey, God has something for me to do. He has something bigger and better for me to do with the way he's gifted me, the way he's wired me, the way your personality is. He wants you to use those gifts to serve him. And yesterday, we had the opportunity to go on a mission trip a block away. We went to Belomondo, what used to be called Belomondo Apartments, now it's called Woodland Trace. And how many of you are familiar with Woodland Trace Apartments here in Platte City? Let me just raise your hand. Okay, it's right here by, uh, turn right there at the bank and Hillcrest Thrift Store, go down the hill, and it's right there. And this, this apartment complex has kind of gotten a poor reputation in Platte City. They called it Ghetto Mondo, and they, you know, they say about the people that live there or whatever. But let me, let me just tell you, God's doing an incredible work there. And yesterday morning, I got to paint the front door of the apartment that I lived in when I was 18 years old. It's, we come, come full circle where now God has an opportunity to bless. And there are people who live there who love Jesus. There are people who live there that are here, here in our midst. And God's doing a work that the owner of that apartment complex is a believer in Jesus, born-again believer in Jesus. And he wants to see God move. He actually asked the church of Platte City to come and to help bring life and light 
to that apartment complex in the form of paint, drywall work, just building relationships with the people who live there. And that's just one, this is just one, one time, and it'll happen over and over and over again. I can see that's just going to be a continual thing that we get to be involved in. So we get to go on a mission trip a block away, and we get to share that compassionate love of the Father and help people discover the purpose that he has for them. So let me ask you this question. Why are relationships so hard? Why are relationships so hard at times? Number one reason, relationships involve people. Look at someone next to you. If you're close, they say, you're a person. You're a people. (laughs) Yeah, you got some people around you. So if you have people, guess what you have that come with people? Problems. Problems. I used to say when I worked at American Airlines, I said, man, this job would be perfect if it wasn't for all the people. All those people would get off the airplane and their bag doesn't show up and they're mad. All the people who come to the airport late and want to get on the airplane as it's pulling away from the jetway. It's the people. If it wasn't for the people, this would be a great job. And then you have to like just kind of put all those people aside and then you think about all the people you work with. And that sometimes can cause issues. So why is it? Why is it that it's so difficult? Well, for one, people are instinctively self-centered. It's true, isn't it? Can anybody say amen or oh my to that? Like, we are just self-centered. We are born to look out for number one. When your baby cries because their pants are full, they don't care about you. They don't care about what you're doing at that particular time and what show you're watching. They want you to change them now. And then you react to that. Guess what? You're training them to be selfish. (laughs) Husbands, you cry and you whine so your wife will come and attend to you. I know that's true. Because I'm I'm that way. Pouting. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Guess I'm... The last few weeks, it's like, when it comes to a relationship, guys are like protecting their sides because they know it's going to hurt a little bit. It's like, yes, he's talking about you. People... uh, Look out for number one. I mean, that was, I mentioned that earlier, but another reason is lack of communication or just bad communication. We don't, uh, we don't have enough details, so we start making assumptions. Text messaging is bad about that. We don't get all the inflection. We don't get the tone. We don't get the, the, the meaning behind it, so we start making some assumptions, and we start, um, we start going down a road sometimes when we make ass- false assumptions, Right? Like, and once you get on that road, it's hard to get off of that road. One time, um, my wife and I were in San Francisco, maybe for me to tell the story before, but we took some students out there. Brian was with me. Uh, Brian, wait, wait, raise your hands, right? He's the one who said amen. Brian was with me. Brian, how old are you? Were you a, you were, yeah, you were a junior, right? Junior in high school. And we're in San Francisco for this huge event, youth event. And we came out of this oldest, church, oldest Baptist church in, in the United States in San Francisco. We come out of there, we, we get on the road, and we try to get across the, the Golden Gate Bridge to this place where we're staying, and we get lost. Have you ever been lost? And you just drive around, and everything starts looking familiar and not familiar, you just don't know where you're going. And then you get on a road that you can't get off of, because we were on this bridge, like the Bay Bridge or whatever, and we couldn't get off on it. And the, the more I was lost, the faster I drove, thinking somehow that was going to help me out. And, I, and I'm just thinking about it. Sometimes when we make false assumptions and we start thinking the worst about each other, we get on this road and we can't get off of it. And when eventually I had to stop and ask somebody, could you please tell me how to get across 
the bay and over to this area over here. And the guy was like, yeah, you're in a really bad part of town, by the way. You need to get out of here as soon as possible. I got these teenagers in the back. My wife and I are having the worst argument of our marriage. And, and I'm scared. I'm fr- frustrated. I'm frustrated with me, all right, because I've made a mistake. Anybody go there? You know, you get frustrated yourself because you're wrong. And, but once you get on that road, it's hard to get off until you stop. And step back and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't think I have the whole story here. I think I need, to, I need to get more of the information so I can make the right judgment. I need more communication. And then there's a problem when we get too much communication going on and we start talking behind each other's back. There's gossip that starts happening in the workplace. And we start saying things to other people. We start saying things to other people sometimes, I think, so we can justify ourselves. And we start to get other, other people in our, in our camp, you know. So we start feeling okay about our our view or our uh, idea or thoughts about this particular subject. I already mentioned this, that we, we assume the worst about the other person. Like, we assume that they're out to get us. And we start assuming the worst without really knowing what was really going on. Maybe we're critical of others. We point out the speck in someone else's eye when we have a log in our own. We worry about what others are receiving well, that doesn't make, that's not fair. Why are they getting that? I, I mean, I've been working hard too. Why, why am I not receiving the same accolades or the same affirmation? That's not fair. Why am I having to do more work than the other person? It seems like I'm the one always doing all the work. And the people around us or people around me aren't doing enough. And that, that happened in American Airlines. I, I could see it down on the ramp, the guys who worked on the ramp. You know, certain guys would just be working hard all day long. Other guys would be sent back playing cards, not paying attention to what's going on. And one guy's like, that's not fair, man. That dude makes $15 more an hour than I do. I'm a new hire, and it seems like I'm working harder than they are. So we start becoming uh, critical of that. Like, even in, even in Scripture, Peter, when Jesus reinstated Peter after Peter denied him, and Jesus has this incredible moment, Peter's still concerned about what's going to happen to John. And this is in John chapter 21. And Jesus is like, well, Peter, don't worry about him. You worry about you. Isn't that a good word for all of us when it comes to work and in relationships? Like, you take care of you. You do the right thing. You let, I'll take care of this person. I mean, John, if I want John to, to never die or whatever, if I want John to have all this, that's fine. You don't worry about John. You just do what I've called you to do. We tend to exploit others' weaknesses to keep the spotlight, spotlight off of us. We say, well, yeah, but, you know, Look, look at them. Look, what, look, look how bad they are at their job. Or, but, or well, uh, you, you, you do this to me all the time, so that's the, way, that's the reason why I'm this way. And the problem is, is we're all broken human beings, right? We're all prone to fail God and to fail one another. That's, and what if we just stopped right there? It's like, whoa, that's an encouraging word today, Brady. We're just broken human beings. We're all prone to fail God on each other. All right, have a beautiful day, all right? Hope, get back up here and sing again because at least we had some joy going on at that particular moment. But here's what I think, here's the problem. It comes down to this thought. There's an enemy at work and at play in relationships. And his job is to kill, steal, and destroy. In, Lev- in uh, Re- Revelation uh, chapter 12, it says that Satan's ploy is to lead the whole world astray. That's what he's trying to do. 
And you can step back a little bit and see sometimes, like, man, what is going on in this? What's going on with these relationships? What's, what's really going on here? What's the whole story? And to understand that there is an enemy. He's very real. And, he, and he's very good at his job. And he wants to cause dysfunction. He wants to cause distraction. And he wants to accuse us to one another. That's his job. And he's been doing it for centuries. And he's really good at it. So we have to be aware of that. Let me ask you a question. Do you work or go to school with someone that's just hard to love? <laughs> Don't name any names. <laughs> if they're here with you right now. <laughs> for sure. Why is it hard? Because of some of these issues that I've already, already mentioned? Is it because they're just not like you? And I realized a long time ago, I don't want everybody to be just like me. It'd be a messed up world. We wouldn't get anything accomplished. Maybe it's hard because they are like you. And that's the reason why they're hard to love. Are you the hard person to love? In your work relationships? Are you, I mean, if you sit back and think, you know what? I'm, that might be me. I might be the one that when they, they see me coming, they're like, oh, man, is he on shift today? Oh, i got to work with that guy again. Even working in church relationships, there can be struggles. And we've all had to work through some, some issues. Some of them are the things that I just mentioned before. I think in church life especially, we have to... It just automatically realize there's going to be some greater opposition because what it is that we're trying to accomplish. But God's grace is sufficient, and we are to love one another enough to be willing to listen and willing to forgive. Remember last week I talked about the, the kind of the framework of all, of all relationships has to be love, and has to be forgiveness. Listen to what it says in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. It says that God is a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. This is a good model for us to follow in, re in any re relationship that we're involved in, even in work. Slow to anger, abounding in love, gracious, compassionate. And this is what he models for us. And if you read in, in Nehemiah, they were all working together to rebuild the wall. And, and there was just time after time after time that Nehemiah was having to, like, go before the Lord and say, God, we have blown it over and over and over again, and we deserve to be punished, but, but you are a God that's gracious and compassionate. And he gives us that example to follow. So I want you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 13. So I've given you, given you some things to know, some things to think about. And then I want, to, I want to touch in a little bit deeper and give you something to feel, and then we'll finish with some things that you can do in relationships that we are involved in. So John chapter 13, I was, I was thinking about this particular passage of Scripture because I was thinking about Jesus um, with his employees, if you will, his closest followers, his disciples, his, the ones that he was training up to send out. He was getting ready to leave them. He's teaching them. He's He's giving them some last few instructions as he's getting ready to go. So Jesus is the, uh, let's just take it in a corporate sense. Jesus is like the CEO, the owner of the company. 
he is in the boardroom. They're all sitting around the table, and he's got one last opportunity to, to share with them what he wants them to know. So these relationships are the most important relationships that Jesus has been involved in in his years of ministry. And so John chapter 13, starting in verse 1, it was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And some passages say he showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So the enemy was at work in Jesus' corporation, trying to disrupt things, trying to cause problems. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Talk about a power paradox. I mean, Jesus, all authority, all power given to him, like it's been handed to him. And Jesus like, what am I going to do with this? So he got up from the meal and he pointed in their face and said, you're all a bunch of failures. You're fired. Everybody get out of here. No. That's what some of us would have done. (laughs) You guys just don't get it. I've been with you for three years and you guys still aren't listening to me. I've told you over and over and over again what's going to happen. You just don't understand. But no, it says he got up, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. That's what the CEO, the most powerful guy in the whole company, with all the authority given to him by really the owner of all things, and he gets up and he washes their feet. Makes scripture, the scripture that said Jesus took on the very nature of a servant, makes it come alive. Takes on this very nature, becomes a servant. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you should never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. This is a sense of, let me serve you. There's a reason why I'm doing this. There's a reason why I'm lowering myself and doing this for you. Just let me do this for you. Then the Lord said, Simon Peter, um, then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew that one was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. But yet Jesus washed his feet too, which blows me away. Because it's easy, right, to be in a relationship and love those people you can get something from that are good, for your, good in your relationship. But when, when it's difficult, when they're coming against you, when it's hard to wash their feet too, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to this place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, 
you will be blessed if you do them. Not be blessed if you know this knowledge, but you will be blessed if you live it out, practice it, and do it. So what are some things that we can do? What are some practical things that we can do we are followers of this Jesus who has set this example for us. What can we do in our work relationships that can improve things, that makes the relationships better? For one, as a follower of Jesus, you should be the best employee that the company has. On time, smile on your face, joy in your heart, hard work on your hands, and thought of service filling your, filling your thoughts. Because that's what Jesus modeled for, like a feet-washing kind of service. Coming and saying, whatever it is, if I have to clean toilets, I'm going to clean it in the name of Jesus with a smile on my face and my hand, my nose plugged up, whatever it is you need to do to make the task possible. We should be peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9 says that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And I thought about this idea. Do we walk around at work with a bucket of water to throw out, to kind of douse the fires that are starting to rise? Or do we walk around with a can of gasoline ready to get that baby really burning? And guess what? That's a choice that we can all make wherever it is that we work. Whether you're the boss or whether you're the lowest person on, in seniority, that's a choice that we can all make. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. It's the golden rule. Think about this. Everyone has a story, okay? So when you come into contact with someone at work and maybe something's not going right, it's like, hey, what's, what's really going on here? Where are you, where are you, where are you coming from? Try to, try to get to know them. Ask good questions. Listen well. And if all else fails, just pray for them. <laughs> just pray for them. Like, man, I can't stand being around them, but I'm going to get on my knees and pray for them so that maybe I can learn to love them. If you're having a difficult time with someone, here's some real practical advice. Look at Matthew chapter 18. You have to do that now, but this is a good, good, good word for you. Matthew chapter 18. Uh, go to the person and try to make it right. Hey, is, is there anything that I've done? If there is, please forgive me. I, I'm sorry. If I didn't really know what was going on and I made some assumptions or whatever. Please forgive me. And if you mend the relationship, the person's like, yeah, I'm sorry too. I was really frustrated. All right, then it's done. Matter, matter's closed. We move on. But if that doesn't work, you might have to bring some other people who are witnesses to that, who have said, you know what, I've kind of noticed the same thing, I kind of see that it's true, and two or three of you sit down and say, hey, I just want you to know, like, hey, we love you, but there's some stuff that's going on, and we really need to work through this, because it's really causing some problems to the rest of our team. Win the person back. Now, if that doesn't work, then you might have to go above their head and say, you know what, we're just going to have to get the supervisor, the, employee, the management, whatever it is, to try to work through some of those some of those issues. Try to find some help dealing with it. Whatever you do for a career, do it for the glory of God. Whatever it is. The Bible says we're supposed to let our light shine before others, right? So that they see our good deeds and think, man, why, why are you so different? You're just, you're just different. Well, it's because of my Father in heaven. And I want to bring glory to him. That, that seems, you say, man, I don't want to say that because, man, as soon as I say that, I'm going to do something stupid and I'm going to apologize. You know what? Let people see you be real. Let them see you say, hey, I failed. I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? Model that. for. Don't, I mean, don't go out and fail on purpose just so you can model that, but just model that for people. 
Be real. Just let them see that, hey, you know what? I love the fact that, that Hope didn't give up. She didn't give up. She's like, let's just start that over. Let's do this again. You know, that was awesome. We need to have some days like that, right? <laughs> Can we just start this day over? Hit the track again one more time. Let's just roll through this one more time. Trust that God has you right where you are at this particular moment in those relationships for a purpose. What are you supposed to learn from them? What are they supposed to learn from you? It's strategic because you trust God to put you there. And I'm going to finish up with this, this thought. This, this, was a, this was like stuff that I already knew, but it was kind of like revolutionary for me. Thursday night, we were meeting with a couple of guys who were in kind of key positions in their work. And I said, hey, tell, talk about relationships where you work. And this one particular gentleman said, I get more joy out of sponsorship relationships than anything else at my work. And I was like, all right, hey, give me, okay, fill me in. What are, you, what are you talking about there? Sponsorship relationships. It's this thought that God has put you in a position to bless someone else, to come alongside that other person and help them get the win. Like you, you uh, pull them aside and give them some extra training, or maybe it's if you're at school and you're in a sport, you pull them aside, you practice a little bit after, because you want to see them get better and succeed. It's you lifting them up instead of you stepping on top of them to get to the highest position in the company. It's like you saying, man, I want to make that person look good, and I get more out of that than anything else. Whatever it takes to help that person succeed. Something that gets them blessed and promoted or recognized. You've got to go out of your way to make that happen. Because you know what? It's, about, it's not about what you know. It's about who you know, right? And what it is that they've done for you. I promise you, I wouldn't stand here today if it wasn't for somebody else believing in me and saying, Brady, you've got what it takes. We want to help you make this happen. And we want to promote you and get you moving forward in this deal. And this gives you influence in your life. When you, when you serve somebody that way, guess what? You've just created an avenue in that relationship where you can cross that bridge with the good news of Jesus Christ. Where you can begin to share with them, hey, I love you this way, and this is why, because I was loved that way by someone greater than myself. It opens up the door for conversation. You can, you can minister to parts of their life that you'd maybe never be able to touch before because you're washing their feet. And it causes them to open up and be real and vulnerable with you. You might be able to, like I said, eventually share with them the story about the one who left heaven and came to earth to be our sponsorship relationship, our sponsor relationship. Think about what Jesus has done for us. Maybe you didn't realize, but Jesus is wanting to help you succeed. And I'm not talking about financially or material. I'm talking about experiencing life to the fullest. Because if the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, Jesus says, I have come to give you life to the full. And when you have a relationship with Jesus, it gives you access to the greatest power and authority that has ever been given here on earth. And that is with the Father in heaven. So let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for strategic partnerships and relationships. And thank you that you call us to look around us and to see 
What can I do in the place that you've called me to be to help others succeed? Maybe there's a place where I need to confess and say, I was wrong in this particular area. Will you please forgive me? I need to model that for people. God, I pray that we'd see that your hand is in it. That we're, it's not by accident. There's a reason and a purpose. And even in the most difficult situation, God, you're there. You're there. So help us, Lord. Help us to bring glory to you, whatever it is that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.